Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. All right, today we are talking with one of my favorite people. I'm very excited about it. Amy is who's our guest today, and she is an oncology social worker. So oncology social workers help patients and their families cope with the emotional and social aspects of an illness and in cancer treatment. So they might provide individual counseling, help reduce barriers to care, or provide assistance with things like transportation and insurance coverage. So today we're going to be talking to Amy Meyer, who's a social worker with St. Luke's Hospital in St. Louis. We're going to talk about all aspects of a cancer diagnosis besides the physical, right? Yep. And then we're going to talk to Amy about what she sees in her work as a social worker and the role respite can play in a cancer journey. Oh my gosh, so important. I cannot wait to dive into this. Yeah. And finally, we'll probably talk about the benefits of being in nature and our new exciting partnership with Innsbruck Resort in Innsbruck, Missouri to build, yeah, to build a respite house for breast cancer patients. But before we talk to Amy, let's hear from our first sponsor. Hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared side effects of chemotherapy treatment. The emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented. Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website at www.coldcap.com. All right. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I was thinking about this as we were preparing for this episode, Amy. Do you remember the first time we met? (laughs) I'm putting you on the spot. Do you remember? I know you meet with a lot of nonprofits, so. I feel like it's at a meeting. It's been so long ago. You're right. It was a meeting. So we met at St. Luke's. At that time, I was making the rounds with all the hospitals, trying to gain support for Faith Through Fire's programming. And I, I don't know. We've kind of become friends over time, but you were an early adopter of embracing our mission, which is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. What I remember about you is that I didn't need to convince you that this was important. (laughs) And I think that that's because you deal with actual patients. So I I think a lot of times... Well, wait, the doctors don't deal with actual patients? Well, I'm not talking about doctors. (laughs) I mean, usually like when I'm talking to hospitals, I'm talking to administrative staff. But but the people like uh, that are on the front lines with patients, like doctors, nurses, social workers, they they get it right away. Yeah. Like it doesn't take any additional convincing is my point. Yeah. I I think a lot of times people think that if you get cancer, it's all about the physical journey. But Amy, you know more than anybody that it's it's way more complicated, you know, than that. Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, it goes well beyond the scope of the physical problems. And that is one of the first thing that we do when a patient comes in is we assess them with a distress screening because we're looking at practical problems such as childcare, housing, insurance, the financial concerns that individuals have. I mean, that's like the biggest thing that people have when they first come in. How am I going to pay for this? Who's going to pay for this? How am I going to afford this? And I think it's important to like note that, that, you know, Faith Through Fire is really focused on the emotional aspects of Mm -hmm. this. But these these problems that you're mentioning all relate to how somebody feels emotionally, right? Sure. If you have barriers well, to right, care. Because these things can create huge emotional distress for someone if they aren't able to take care of these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can have a huge emotional impact. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm interested too, because we see patients that kind of hit that wall during treatment. Is that something that you see in your work as well, where they kind of hit that mental wall and then they're more susceptible to anxiety or depression? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just did an assessment yesterday for a suicidal patient. So, I mean, that's very common. People that come to me with suicidal ideation, you know, depression. So we deal with that on a daily basis. I mean, I'm constantly assessing people for depression and making referrals for supportive counseling in the community because that becomes a, a huge problem for a lot of our patients. Yeah. I think that's like really when people want to know the impact that nonprofits have in partnering with the hospitals, this is where it's at. I mean, when you are, you know, identifying patients that need these extra resources, like you said, hospitals are only going to have so much uh, available to the patient. And so it's really important to have good relationships with your area nonprofits so that you can make those early referrals and get those people support as soon as possible. And I think that's you know, in part why you and I connected really well is that I know you're a huge advocate for your patients and you're always trying to find the resource that best meets their individualized need, which is for me just such a, I mean, it's so important. We come it's, it's, nice it, to, it's nice to find the people that understand the mission. Right. It is. Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> right. When I talk to the patient, I want to have that resource in my back pocket immediately. So when I'm talking with them, I can, you know, I can say to them, Hey, you know, I know this, this resource that's available. Would you be interested? Mm-hmm. So I'm not coming back to them a week or two weeks later. So I'm actually, you know, you know, advocating for them and giving them that information right then and there. Mm-hmm. And you know, and informing them. And so they have that information right away instead of waiting several weeks down the road. People don't realize this, or I think sometimes large entities don't realize this, that people, yes, they need services, but really what they need is people. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about that. Con- it's all about that connection, right? Mm-hmm. And then the connection Absolutely. facilitates the education and it facilitates the services. Mm-hmm. But when you're just trying to basically, you know, throw services at somebody or, or educate them, but you're not connecting with people, mm-hmm. I don't, do you feel like that's a miss? I feel like it's a miss. I feel like you're not going to really help that person unless you're connecting on a personal level. And I know that, you know, that's really important to you is to establish those relationships. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think first and foremost, establishing rapport with patients is so critical. Yeah. You you don't always know what you need when you're going through it, especially when you're hit with a, a diagnosis you've never had before until until you need it. And when you need it, it's nice to know that those people have already offered up their relationship, the services, even if they don't take you up on it right away. Well, so. right. If you if yeah. you trust your provider or your social worker, you're going to go to them when you identify that need right. and say, what was that service you talked about? Right. Or, exactly. You know, you're going to be that conduit to them, to them getting those services. I want to kind of like circle back to that wall that we hit during treatment because it's it relates to where we're heading with this episode, which is our new initiative and just the importance of respite. But before we kind of dive into that, you guys want to do boobs in the news really quick? For sure. Oh, OK. That's like my- <laughs> 
That's your favorite part. That's everybody's favorite part. Everybody loves boobs in the news. She saved a special uh, boobs in the news for you, Amy, too. Well, no, I just thought it was I, I, I thought it was interesting. It, it's not so much like usually it's it, it's stupid people. Right. But like this time. That's rude. That way. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're calling them boobs. Yeah. But this time, this is just kind of an interesting story. And I wanted your guys' take on it. So boobs in the news is a fun segment where we read funny tweets by real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the News is brought to you by Pink Perfect, pink-perfect.com. Pink Perfect provides silicone prosthetic nipples for women who have undergone mastectomy and breast reconstruction with nipple removal. Visit pink-perfect.com and use promo code FAITHTHROUGHFIRE to receive $25 off your purchase. Bibs in the News, Bibs in the News, Bibs in the News. Okay, so again, this is like a little bit different, but I thought this story was interesting because my husband and I disagreed on this. So I want to know what you girls think. Okay. Okay. So heart surgery patient receives a $1 million lottery ticket and get well card. Okay. Heart surgery. Okay. 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 So a Massachusetts man who underwent open heart surgery received a lottery ticket inside a get well card from a friend. And it was a million dollar winner. Did they already know it was going to be the million dollar winner? Why would they know that? I don't. Did they pre-scratch it? No. Oh, okay. 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 Sorry. Okay. I'm asking like logistics. I was questions. just going to say now we have to go to the topic of do you pre-scratch your scratchers tickets before you give them to people? <laughs> like, is this a good gift or no? <laughs> I mean, because that's going to make you look like a jerk, Sarah. Well, I know. Well, you, is it a winner? the way that you read that was like it, they knew it was a winner already. No. Okay. No. <laughs> Carry on. Oh, my gosh. That totally derailed. <laughs> Maybe fast. I'm the boob. Okay, I think go. I think we have a winner. <laughs> Okay, no. So so basically, this guy went through surgery and his friend, you know, people do that. They'll give a card with a, yeah. a scratcher ticket on it. So his friend gave him the card and it ended up being a million dollars. My question to my husband was, if a friend gives you a million dollars, are you going to cut them in a little bit? For sure. That's what I said. Amy, would you cut them in? Absolutely. Okay. My husband was like, well, it's a gift. Like, you don't. <laughs> and I'm like, Gary. I'm like, you wouldn't give the guy that that gave you a ticket for a million dollars, you wouldn't cut him in a little bit of that? So this guy ended up taking, the interesting part about this was that he ended up taking it as a full lump sum. So he ended up with $650,000 before taxes, but they make no mention of the friend that gave it to him or their relationship or Mm -hmm. if he shared it, which makes me think that he did not. Yeah, I mean, he may, he may, he might have, you don't even know that he might have donated that all to a charity somewhere. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, say that. That no. would have been the that would have been the headliner. I just thought what it was interesting. What a lucky guy! I know. I just thought it was oh. interesting that my husband's like, mm, no, I think that's a gift. Like you don't yeah. you don't take back part. So of your now gift. are we deciding if Gary's a boob or you're a boob? I mean, I'm gonna say <laughs> Gary and you are boobs. Gary for not being generous, and, then, and me for thinking he got a, a already scratched lottery right. ticket. <laughs> Sarah for scratching the tickets before she gives them to people. <laughs> All right, that's your boobs in the news. Oh my gosh. Uh, Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. All right, I want to talk about the wall. I alluded to it before, but I think it's such a real deal. Sarah, did you hit a wall during during yeah. treatment? Uh, I my wall didn't happen during treatment. My, okay, your my wall, wall was after. Right after. Yeah. I, I mean, when I say wall, I'm not talking like full on meltdown like you and I had later. I'm saying like you're just tired. You're yeah. sick of the treatments. You're just like, when is this going to be over? You know, I say that, but we had our family vacation that happened right after. Well, so I ended my chemo at the beginning of July and we had our family vacation like two weeks later. 
Okay, so you had respite. Yeah, so I had respite. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I'm giving away the punchline already. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, I personally think that taking a break away from treatment is very important. And I'll get into a little bit about that. But Amy, what do you think? Like when patients are going through this, how important do you think it is for sometimes for them to just have a pause and, and be able to like focus on life again? Oh, I think it's very important. I mean, you know, when a woman's diagnosed with cancer, life doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they're they expected to continue to go through treatment, raising their family, taking care of their children, going to work. I mean, none of those things stop. And so having that moment just to pause and recharge and reset and reconnect with their family is so critical. Mm-hmm. Well, and that brings up a very important point. So the whole reason that I found this out was because my husband surprised me with a weekend getaway at the height of chemo, which I was very apprehensive. I'm thinking, what is this going to be like? You know, mm-hmm. and I And I have joked about it, that it was one of the best vacations we've ever had. It was like during a heat wave. We were both bald. It was hysterical. But it was so (laughs) it was so restorative. And I just remember thinking every woman should have this opportunity. But the fact is, is that not every Mm -hmm. woman will have the opportunity for respite. Mm -hmm. There are lots of people who cannot afford to to go away or have a weekend getaway. And and that bothered me. I just I hate the idea that we don't have equal access to care for all patients. And respite's one of those things where you think, oh, that's a nice to have, not a need to have. But I would argue the opposite. I think it's absolutely critical if you want to preserve your mental well-being and reduce that risk of depression and anxiety mm-hmm. to to have that. And do you think we should maybe define respite? Yeah. You you think we've been talking about this whole time and somebody's like, like I don't what the know heck is respite. What? OK, go, yeah. go for it. What's respite? OK, so respite is defined as a short period of rest or relief from something difficult or unpleasant. So, I mean, I would say that cancer definitely falls in there. Uh, yeah, I, I think we can all agree. <laughs> so, Beth, why don't you explain, because I think this is a really fun story, where this idea came from for you? Yeah. I mean, you kind of already alluded to the fact that you went on a trip. But, but right. you know, I remember you calling me and telling me about this idea. Yeah. So, I mean, my husband and I went on this trip. It was great. It was so restorative. I I. I Oh my gosh, it was so great. And I just when I thought about that, like, okay, I want I want every woman to have this. That was before Faith Through Fire had even become a thought in my my mind. So flash forward and I start Faith Through Fire and we have our programs and it's all going well. And then we just started seeing that, you know, especially at the height of COVID, the isolation you know, added an mm-hmm. additional piece to what everybody was going through, mm-hmm. which is the reason we started the podcast was because women were going into the clinical setting with limited emotional support. The whole medical care landscape was changing, mm-hmm. not due to anything that they could help. Mm-hmm. But the isolation was there. And I just started thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, and we were seeing so many patients in our mentor program that would reach that point in the journey where they're like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Yeah. I'm just tired. I'm still to Amy's point. I'm, you know, I'm trying to juggle my kids, my job, my cancer treatments, and they were just hitting that wall. Mm -hmm. And I, I just remember thinking, this is the point where I want to reach out and say, you know what, pack your bags. You're going away on a little trip, Mm -hmm. you know, with your husband or by yourself or however you want to do it. This is the point where I want to extend that invite. And Mm -hmm. I can't. And I thought, well, how can I change that? And that's really when I started thinking seriously, well, what if we what if we built a respite house, a getaway Mm -hmm. for these patients to to, to take that break, to get that respite? I think I called Sarah up as I was like walking the neighborhood one day (laughs) and I was like, hey, 
Let's build a respite house. <laughs> and, and my first response was, I'm always the optimist. Like, this is a great idea. Or Let's do this. I was like, that's probably more like a five-year plan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're right. Usually you're like, yeah, let's do it. And this time you're like, well, yeah, I think it's great. Like, maybe for the future. And I was like, eh, eh. or now. Or now. <laughs> or now. We could do it now. I want to talk specifically about the need for respite specific to the St. Louis metro area where we live. Because breast cancer accounts for one-third of all cancers diagnosed in Missouri. It's the second leading cause of death in the state. And on top of that, Washington University, which is right here in St. Louis, their researchers identified 80 counties in the U.S. with the highest breast cancer mortality rates, and nine of them are in Missouri. Shocking statistic. Yeah, nine of them are in Missouri. 37% of Missourians reside in rural counties where access to quality care is more difficult. I just felt like this is something that St. Louis needs. And yeah, we could wait, but why wait, right? Yeah, I think to talking about the rural piece, because that's in cancer care in particular. And Amy, you can probably speak to this. There's a lot of concern about people in the rural areas having access to supports and resources and, you know, treatment even like treatment is like what people get scared about the most. Right. Do they have access to proper cancer care treatment? But then additionally, all those supports and resources Mm -hmm. that Amy's talking about that she refers patients to, they're just harder to find in rural communities. So there's a lot of talk about how rural areas are underdeveloped and have less resources, but rural areas offer something that can be very healing to cancer patients, and that's exposure to nature. To nature, right? (laughs) And I don't know about you guys, like, I'm a total nature lover. Are you guys? Yep. I grew up on a farm. Okay. So you've always been about nature. I grew grew up on a farm, too. Yeah, girl. Oh, we got two farm. (laughs) We got two farm girls. You're the outnumbered one. I was going to say, now we're showing our rural. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up walking barefoot across the farm. Okay. All right. Me me too. I'm an Iowa farm girl. Yes. Oh, Iowa. Where all the good soil is. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So both of you guys grew up in farms and that translates to your life now. I know it does for you, Amy. We're going to dive into that in a minute because you actually are are a big piece of what we're doing now. Yeah. I find nature super relaxing. For sure. Like when we went in the summertime, we go camping and boating almost every other weekend. And my favorite part about where we go is that there is no cell reception. <laughs> yes. Be- you you call me and you're like, anything you got to tell me before I go off the grid. Right. <laughs> and I love it because otherwise I would be totally glued to my phone, even yeah. in nature. Yeah. So it, it just automatically makes me, it puts me in that mindset of being able to relax and reset and mm-hmm. not think about anything yep. else. Yep. And I don't think that that we can underestimate the impact can you No, no absolutely not there is a growing body of research too i think there's like a thousand studies that show that exposure to the natural world has a beneficial impact on health i mean sarah like think about it it reduces stress right Mm -hmm. promotes Promotes healing yep yep there was even a study of like twenty thousand people who led that the european center for environmental and human health oh my gosh that's a mouthful yeah at a university there. It showed that individuals who spent two hours a week in green spaces were substantially more likely to report good health and psychological well-being than those who don't. Mm-hmm. And this is the, these effects were the same regardless of occupation, ethnic group, financial means, those with chronic illnesses, all of that. You know, because putting your bare feet to the ground, it doesn't matter whether you have $10 in the bank or $10,000 in the bank, or it doesn't matter you know, what color of skin you have or what you're going through in your, in your life. Like the air you breathe is still the same the effects of the grass on your feet, like it's all the same. There's also a study too that shows that natural scenes has increased recovery rates in hospital patients versus oh. like urban. 
What do you mean? Like nature scenes, like on a like putting flowers and pictures in hospital rooms instead of having cityscapes outside of the infusion center. And a lot of hospitals are doing things like that, like healing gardens. And I know you'll see at some of the other hospitals they have healing gardens. But they they said that it and some several of the studies that I've read that that it reduces like the physiological effects of stress and also increases the recovery rates for patients who are able to view natural scenery versus like urban settings or like looking at the top of like a parking lot versus like looking at a woodland area. Interesting. So I'm saying this because I don't think we can emphasize enough how Mm -hmm. important it is for patients to get away. Yeah. And specifically, I mean, we're big nature lovers, so we think it's important for nature. So I want to talk about what what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? We've led it it all up to this. I know. (laughs) What are we doing and why is it important? And who did we identify as the perfect partner? Yeah. Okay. So Innsbruck Resort is in Innsbruck, Missouri, Mm -hmm. right? Which is about 45 minutes west of St. Louis. And when I was trying to figure out where would be an ideal place to build a respite house, there was some some boxes to tick, right? Like mm-hmm. we wanted nature. nature. We wanted a body of water. Yep. I, I go to the lake all the time and mm-hmm. I find water to be incredibly healing. Yep. So lakes were important. We wanted activities. Mm-hmm. For we, families. Right. Yep. Right. And yeah, fun activities, both physical, like kayaking yep. or golf, but also Hiking, walking. Thing, yeah, yeah, concerts and things like that. So anyway... It didn't take me long to figure out, you know, what would be great is Innsbruck Resort because these patients are still within 45 minutes of St. Louis Mm -hmm. and they have exposure to all these things and it's right in our backyard. And so I reached out to Innsbruck and asked for a meeting and much to my delight, they agreed to meet with Sarah and I. And I mean, was that not a fun meeting? Oh, it was so fun. I think we both left and we like looked at each other and we're like, did that just happen? Right. (laughs) Because it was one of those truly collaborative, fun you know, when you have good synergy with a good partner, it mm-hmm. all just works. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what happened. We sat down with Chip and Charlie, who are the owners of Innsbruck, and we told them our idea. We told them why we wanted it and why why we felt passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think Sarah and I, to her point, we were so amazed because they immediately thought it made sense. Yep, for sure. And I love it. Just like when I met Amy, you know, you know your people mm-hmm. and you know when you find the people that just get it. Yep. And it's it makes the partnership so fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So fast forward, yep. that was in May. We had our groundbreaking October 30th. Right. Um, so this is this is the first episode of 2022. And just a couple months ago, we had our groundbreaking and they started construction on this house. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's a tree house, you guys. Yes. It's a tree house. The tree house is in it's in the new development of Innsbruck called the tree houses of Talblick. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's basically on piers. Yeah. So it hovers over. Like in the trees. In the trees. Yeah. It has these two ducks off the back. And yeah. so I'm just envisioning patients. This is a 1,500 square foot home in the treetops. And I'm just envisioning them waking up in nature and being able to go out on that deck and enjoy mm-hmm. that view yeah. of the valley. Yeah. Charlie's always joking about how they need to be faster. But I think six months from the time of our first <laughs> meeting to a groundbreaking is pretty darn At fast. At the end, of, it will end or middle of a pandemic, you know, with supply chain issues, like no big deal. Right, right, right. <laughs> so Amy, there. this is interesting too because you actually have a place out in Innsbruck right so you know firsthand what this community is like why do you think it's an ideal environment for patients to heal oh it's just such a beautiful place which before you dive into this I have to tell you guys that Amy is in the habit on the weekends when she's there of sending me these most beautiful pictures (laughs) and it just made me so jealous before I was like now in this project so now I feel like okay I can actually be a part of this but before she would send me these like 
gorgeous like streams and these fun events and i mean you made it look so much fun that i don't think there was any doubt in my mind she wants to move there now. (laughs) i do i do well i'm preparing you for what what is to come right (laughs) right so what what do you love about it there you know i think about innsbruck all week long and so on friday morning i have the car packed and i'm ready to go And I can tell you, when I pull through those gates, there's an instant sigh of relief. It's just this most magical feeling. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life, what's going, what kind of week I've had, what kind of week I've had at work, what kind of week I've had with my two teenagers. Everything instantly changes. There's just this instant relief. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place to connect with your family, to sit around the campfire, to laugh, to reconnect, just, you know, create memories. I think I think what really like floored me about this is that when Chip and Charlie were like, yeah, we're in my first thought was, well, how's the community going to or, you know, because they obviously they needed to go to their community. And I'm thinking, well, they're they like the idea. But how is the community going to respond to the idea of a respite house for breast cancer patients? And it was like unbelievable like with open arms open arms and people were so excited about it and just immediately kind of welcomed us into the fold and i'm i it was just such a non-issue all of my fears were just completely like you know unfounded because so many in the community have been impacted by cancer themselves or just because of the kind of community that's been fostered there but they all wanted to help facilitate healing in our city yeah and i thought that was unbelievable and I can speak that that's true. I mean, just being a member of the community, I've had several people stop by my home and talk about it, and they're very excited. They've mm-hmm. been very receptive. It's just really exciting to see the community embrace that. It's exciting, exciting to see that on the Innsbruck property homeowners page. People are talking about it. They're excited. Can't wait to see what's happening. There were a lot of people there present at the groundbreaking ceremony. So that was really exciting to see. I think that people are really going to embrace this project. And like I said, people are still talking about it. We'll continue to talk about it. And I think that you guys are going to have a lot of support from the community. Yeah, I know a lot of doctors and medical staff have places out there. I think the fact that it's only 45 minutes from the area hospitals is really helpful to them just because they can get away to nature when they need it, but still be on call or close to patients Mm -hmm. as well, which I would imagine is a huge benefit. I know it played a part when I started thinking, okay, what if a patient needs something? You know, what if they have some sort of medical need? You know, we want to make sure that they're close enough to, to be able to get help. And so I would think that would be a huge benefit, not only to the people staying at the respite house, but those that also, yeah. you know, have homes there to, to get away from the stressors. Because, you know, we just did an episode prior to this about the stress of caregiving, but there's also, and Amy, you're going to be intimately aware of this, like compassion fatigue, right? Mm-hmm. A right. lot of people in social work and in, in healthcare have to really watch compassion fatigue because dealing with chronically ill patients day in and day out has a very large impact on their health as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that as patients, we recognize that because yeah. we're but, in our own crisis, right? Yep. And so I think it's right. very easy to forget that that the, the medical community, they don't get a break from this. Mm-hmm. You know, we're hoping that we get done with treatment and then, you know, we're, we're okay. Yep. But for a lot of those that are in the healthcare environment, day in, day out, yep. all day long. And so they need they need respite too, don't you think? For sure. That's one of the things I emphasize with staff all the time when I check in with staff on a regular basis, you know, just about Mm -hmm. the self-care piece. Mm -hmm. And when I have student interns, that's one of the first and foremost things I talk to them about is self-care. It's so important because compassion fatigue, I've been there. I've been there several times throughout my career, and you have to have that self-care. We want to take care of our good doctors and nurses and our, our staff because, yeah. you know, you know, them getting burnt out and leaving the field is not what we want. Nope. 
unfortunately a huge turnover in the medical field this past year. So it, it's really important. Like I said, I check in on a lot of folks here just to see how they're doing because a lot of people don't have time for self-care because they're busy with their families, they're busy with their job, yeah. and they don't recognize the importance of doing that. Yep. We talk about self-care a lot on the episode. It is it is crucial, crucial, crucial. It is crucial. Yep. It's very crucial. And yep. Innsbruck is the perfect place for self-care. All right. So before we close out this episode by explaining how you can support this initiative or contact Innsbruck, if you are interested in purchasing a house, let's cut to our second sponsor. Innsbruck Resort is a proud sponsor of the Faith Through Fire Respite House and the Besties with Breasties podcast. We know you work hard, but at Innsbruck, we also know you want to disconnect from what's stressing you out and reconnect with the important things in your life. Innsbruck makes it easy by offering lakefront living and vacationing less than 45 minutes from St. Louis. Vacation homes, golf, swimming, nature trails, fun events, and more. Take a drive and discover Innsbruck. Visit innsbruck-resort.com. Okay, and we're back. So, Amy, before we kind of dive into where people can find Innsbruck and how they can support us, what do you want women to know about the importance of respite or just investing in your mental health as you go through the cancer journey? You know, I think respite is just a great way for women just to, like I said, go and spend some time in nature with their families and to reconnect. Cancer diagnosis can create a lot of emotional distress. For many people that come to me, they're in shock, they're in disbelief. There's a lot of fear and anxiety, anger, guilt. They blame themselves, a lot of sadness, loneliness. Respite, like I said, gives people a chance to just step away from treatment and spend some time reconnecting with themselves and with their family and just take a break and take care of themselves, which is so crucial in their treatment. And also, I think it just really helps people improve their chance of recovery by taking care of themselves because it's such a difficult time for patients and their families. So I'm just really excited for this project. I think it's going to improve the lives of so many women here in the St. Louis area. I just commend you guys for what you're doing. This is just amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That Taking a break is so important for sure. If you would like to help support Faith Through Fire's mission and programming, please donate at our website at faiththroughfire.org. Or you can choose to purchase from our registry for the Wesp- Respite House. The Wespit. The Wespit. The Wespit House. <laughs> on our Facebook page or at myregistry.com. If you are looking for a primary residence or a vacation retreat, you can contact Innsbruck or for a tour. Or for more information, you can call them at 636-928-3366 extension 9199. Thank you, Amy. This episode is so important. We're heading into a new series on quality of life and we wanted to interject this episode so that those listening understand that emotional well-being is the biggest predictor of their future happiness. So, you know, invest in respite when mm-hmm. you hit that wall For is sure. the takeaway, right? Like get that time away get out in nature. We're so excited that we're going to be neighbors at Innsbruck. <laughs> yes. I mean, so excited. I have the bonfire waiting. For yes. 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 I know. And Amy, thank you so much for your commitment to helping your patients thrive. I see all the work you do for them and it's, it's truly inspirational. For so sure. yeah. Thank all you. Thank you. Until, all right. next time. Until next time. Bye. Bye. If you are a breast cancer survivor and you love Besties with Breasties, make sure you join our survivorship support network at faiththroughfire.org to gain access to exclusive episodes that are ad-free and uncensored.